Saint Stories 1. Saint Agnes died 258. Saint Agnes was a beautiful girl whom many young men wanted to marry. Among those she refused, one reported her to the authorities as being a Christian, which was illegal at the time. She was arrested and confined to a house of bad repute. Our Lord preserved her from any sin. She was led to the altar of the pagan goddess Minerva in Rome to offer incense to her, but she raised her hands to Jesus Christ and made the sign of the cross. The soldiers bound her hands and feet. Her young hands were so thin that the chain slipped from her wrists, for she was only twelve years old. After having prayed, she bowed her neck to the sword. At one stroke her head was cut off, and the angels took her soul to heaven. This happened about the year 258. In the Divine Office she is quoted as saying, Christ is my spouse. He chose me first, and his I will be. He made my soul beautiful with the jewels of grace and virtue. I belong to him whom the angels serve. The name Agnes comes from the Latin word agnus, meaning lamb, and reminds us of the gentleness of this young saint. Pope Damasus adorned her tomb with sacred poetry, and many of the fathers of the church following St. Ambrose have honored her in their writings. St. Ambrose speaks of Agnes in his treatise on virgins. Today is the birthday of a virgin. Let us imitate her integrity. It is the birthday of a martyr. Let us offer sacrifice. It is the birthday of St. Agnes, who is said to have suffered martyrdom at the age of twelve. The more abominable was the cruelty that did not spare that young age, the greater was the power of faith that received the witness even of such youth. This is a new kind of martyrdom. She is not yet fit for punishment, but already ripe for victory. It is difficult for her to do battle, but easy to be crowned. Although she bore the disadvantage of youth, she achieved a masterpiece of valor. A bride would not have started out towards her bridal chamber with so much solicitude as this virgin gladly hurried to the place of torture, her head adorned not with braids, but with Christ, and crowned not with flowers, but with virtue. In a single victim we have a double martyrdom, a restraint and of faith. She remained a virgin and became a martyr. This is a virgin's birthday. Let us follow the example of her chastity. Let human beings be filled with wonder. Let little ones with hope, married women with awe, and the unmarried with emulation. It seems to me that this child, holy beyond her years and courageous beyond human nature, received the name Agnes, meaning pure in Greek, not as an earthly designation, but as a revelation from God of what she was to be. St. Lawrence died 258. Lawrence was the first of seven deacons who served the church at Rome. His duty was to assist the Pope when celebrating Holy Mass and to give Holy Communion to the people. He was also in charge of the church property, distributing among the poor offerings given by the Christians. When Pope St. Sixtus II was led out to die a martyr's death, Lawrence wept that he too could not die along with him. The Pope said, Do not cry, my son. In three days you will follow me. When Lawrence knew he would be arrested like the Pope, 
he sought out the poor widows and orphans of rome and gave them all the money he had on hand selling even the sacred vessels to increase the sum when the prefect of rome heard this he imagined that the christians must have considerable treasure he sent for lawrence and said you christians say we are cruel to you but that is not what i have in mind i am told that your priest offer gold and that the sacred blood is received in silver cups that you have golden candlesticks at your evening services now your doctrine says you must render to caesar what is his bring these treasures the emperor needs them to maintain his forces lawrence offers the treasures of the church lawrence replied that the church was indeed rich i will show you a valuable part but give me time to set everything in order and make an inventory after three days he gathered a great number of the blind lame maimed lepers orphans and widows and put them in rows when the prefect arrived lawrence simply said these are the treasures of the church the prefect was so angry he told lawrence that he would indeed have his wish to die he had a great griddle prepared with coals beneath it and had lawrence's body placed on it legend has it that after the martyr had suffered the pains for a long time he made his famous cheerful remark my body is well done turn it over it is roasted enough on this side lawrence died in 258 lawrence is one of those martyrs who made a deep and lasting impression on the early church celebration of his feast spread rapidly legendary details of his death were known to damasus prudentius ambrose and augustine saint augustine writes the church of rome invites us today to celebrate the day when saint lawrence triumphed on this day we brought down the fury of the world and rejected its allurements thus twice vanquished the persecuting demon as you know, Lawrence held the office of deacon in Rome. In that office, he administered the sacred blood of Christ to the faithful, and in the office, he also shed his own blood for the sake of Christ. St. John the Apostle clearly highlighted the mystery of the Lord's Supper when he said, Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, so must we also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Lawrence understood this fact and acted in accord with it what he had received at this table he willed to hold especially dear he loved christ by his life and he loved him by his death as well little is known about lawrence and yet he has received extraordinary honor in the church since the fourth century the greatest fact of his life is certain he died for christ we who are hungry for details about the lives of the saints are again reminded that their holiness was, after all, total response to Christ, expressed perfectly by the death like his. The church built over his tomb became one of the seven principal churches in Rome and a favorite place for Ro Roman pilgrimages. St. Dymphna died 620. Dymphna was born in the 17th century when Ireland was almost universally Catholic. Yet her father, Damon, a petty king of Oriel, was a pagan. Her mother was also a noble descent, 
exceptionally beautiful and a devout Christian, Dimpna herself is said to have borne a striking resemblance to her mother. Dimpna was fourteen when her mother died, and her father is said to have been afflicted with a mental illness brought on by grief. When still very young, Dimpna, being filled with a deep love for Jesus Christ, chose him for her divine spouse and consecrated her virginity to him and to his blessed mother by a vow of chastity in a frantic effort to fill the void in his life caused by the death of his wife dimpna's father sent messengers throughout his own and other lands to find some woman of noble birth resembling his beloved wife who would be willing to marry him their search was fruitless they directed the king's attention to the remarkable resemblance between Dempna and her mother, and they dared to suggest that he propose marriage to his own daughter. Under the stress of mental illness and passion, the king was willing to follow this scandalous proposal. He tried to persuade Dempna by promises of riches and flattering words, but she was filled with disgust by the persistent advance of her father. Upon the advice of her confessor, Father Greerbrand, she decided to flee from her homeland. He himself agreed to accompany her, together with two other friends. The little group hurried to the coast. Faithful servants rowed them across the North Sea, and they landed upon the Belgian coast near Antwerp, Holland. Fleeing inland, the fugitives made their way to, to Gale. They found here a chapel dedicated to St. Martin of Tours, and decided to make their home near it. Dimpna soon made herself beloved by her tender care of the sick and poor. Damon, very angry at the disappearance of his daughter, immediately set out in search of the fugitives. They were eventually traced to Belgium. In order to break down Dimpna's resistance, the king gave orders that Father Greerbrand should be put to death. With one blow of a sword, his head was severed from his shoulders. Her father again tried to persuade his daughter to return to Ireland with him. Infuriated by her resistance, he drew his sword and struck off her head. She was then only fifteen years of age. Dimpna received the crown of martyrdom about the year 620. The records of Dimpna's life and death say that the bodies of the two martyrs were removed to a cave by the inhabitants of Giel. Some years, some years later, a more suitable burial place was sought. When the working men entered the cave and cleared away the rubble, they discovered two beautifully sculpted tombs of pure white stone. They opened Dimpna's coffin and found laying over her a red tile bearing the inscription, here lies the body of the Holy Virgin and martyr Dimphna. Her remains were placed in a small church of the town, and later a shrine was erected over her remains. The relics of her body were placed in a golden reliquary and transferred to the magnificent church of St. Dimphna, which was built upon the site of the original burial place. Many miracles began to occur at the St. Dimphna shrine, then began those strange pilgrimages of derange to pray at her shrine, when they brought their delusions and obsessions to be laid at the tomb of the martyred virgin, they were tenderly cared for by the hospitable villagers. 
Pilgrimages continued throughout the Middle Ages. Gradually, it became an established custom for the pilgrimages to remain in the village homes while awaiting recovery. The spot on which St. Dymphna died at Gil, Belgium, now houses one of the greatest medical centers in the world for the care and treatment of mentally sick people. Since the 13th century, it has been their haven of refuge, but devotion began there in the 7th century. Sovereign prompters and bishops and thousands of devoted Christians have always shown their veneration for St. Dymphna as patroness of the nervous and emotionally disturbed. St. Dymphna's feast day is May 15th. St. Boniface Born 680 and died 754. Baptized Winfred, Boniface was born in Wessex in, Eng in the Kingdom of South England around A.D. 680. He was educated in Benedictine monasteries and became the headmaster of an abbey school near Winchester. Winfred excelled as a scholar, writing one of the first Latin grammars prepared in England. He entered the Benedictine order when he was thirty years old. Once a priest, he followed an inner urging into missionary work. He traveled to Rome in 718 with a group of pilgrims and there received his new name and a missionary commission from Pope Gregory II. He was to work east of the Rhine and to establish churches in keeping with Roman Catholic practice and administration. For three years, Boniface worked in the Low Countries with a tribe of Saxons called the Frisians. In 722, he was summoned to Rome for consecration as a regional bishop for Germany. Pope Gregory gave him a letter of introduction to Charles Myrtle, the ruler of the Franks, a great hero who checked the advance of Islam in Europe, and the grandfather of Charlemagne, the first holy Roman emperor. Myrtle liked Boniface and agreed to be his protector. The missionary went into Germany, to Hesse, to undercut belief in the Teutonic gods. He assailed an oak tree to Thor, equivalent to the Greek god of Zeus or the Roman Jupiter. This god is not God, he declared, and proceeded to strike the old tree with an axe until it came crashing to the ground. The church in Myrtle's Frankish kingdom was in a sorry condition. The ruler seized churches and churches land and money at will. Church offices were auctioned to the highest bidder, and there was no set standard of Christian behavior. After Myrtle's death in 741, his successor was more cooperative. They sponsored a series of regional councils that succeeded in restoring church discipline. In order to restore the Germanic church to its fidelity to Rome and to convert the pagans, Boniface had been guided by two principles. The first was to restore the obedience of the clergy to their bishops in union with the Pope of Rome. The second was the establishment of many houses of prayer, which took the form of Benedictine monasteries. A great number of Anglo-Saxon monks and nuns followed him to the continent. He introduced the Benedictine nuns to the active apostolate of education. Christianity in the 18th century Europe 
was still testing itself, defining its course in relation to emerging political and social forces. Boniface believed the church must first trust God and then consistently follow its truth. In one of his letters he wrote, In her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship, being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on her course. Let us stand fast in what is right and prepare our souls for trial. Let us wait upon God's strengthening aid and say to him, Our Lord, you have been our refuge in all generations. For many years Boniface labored in Germany and France, but he could not forget that the Friesland were still many pagans lived. He had done his work in Germany. There were many bishops there now to care for the church. At the age of almost eighty, Boniface set out for his new mission field. In the first year, he baptized many of the pagans, but there were others who would not listen to him and who were angry because of his success. Early in June, Boniface, with a number of other missionaries and an escort of Christians, went to meet a group of his new converts. As his party of fifty-three companions reached the meeting place, a crowd of his pagan enemies rushed upon him, overwhelmed his party, and killed them. Among the dead was Boniface, his head split by a sword. St. Cyril and Methodius, 869-885 Cyril was born in Thessalonica, northeast of Greece, and educated in Constantinople. He and his brother Methodius belonged to a senatorial family of Thessalonica, but their mother was probably a Slav. Cyril was ordained a priest in Constantinople. He taught philosophy in the university and defended the gospel of Christ. The older brother Methodius, after being governor of one of the Slavic colonies, became the abbot of a monastery in Greece. A decisive change in their lives occurred when in 862, Ratislav, the Duke of Morovia, asked the Eastern Emperor, Michael III, to send him Christian missionaries to teach his people in their own language. Morovia is present-day Bohemia, Morovia and Slovakia. He wanted political independence from German rule and ecclesiastical autonomy, that is, for Morovia to have its own clergy and liturgy. Cyril and Methodius undertook the missionary task. The two brothers were sent to the court of Radislav at Valhrad. They both prepared Slavic liturgical texts, and in what would subsequently be known as the Cyrillic alphabet. It was formed from Greek capital letters. Together they translated the Gospels, the Psalter, St. Paul, and the liturgical books into Slavic and composed the Old Slavic liturgy. That and their free use of their native language in preaching led to opposition from the German clergy. The bishop refused to ordain Slavic bishops and priests, and Cyril was forced to appeal to Rome. In the visit to Rome, they had joy of seeing their new liturgy approved by Pope Adrian II. Cyril Long, an invalid, died in Rome fifty days after taking the monastic habit. 
An old Slavic writing of Cyril's life described his death in these words. When the moment of his rest had come, the time to immigrate to the eternal dwelling, he raised his hands towards God and praying and weeping cried out, Lord my God, you created the angelic order and the incorporeal spirits. You stretched out the heavens, made the earth firm, and called all things into being out of nothingness. You always hear those who do your will and bear witness to you and observe your precepts. Hear my prayer and keep in faith your flock over which you place me, your unworthy and unsuitable servant. Deliver them from the impious and pagan malice of those who curse you, and let your church increase in number and gather all into one. Render your people, the elect, harmonious in your true faith and in the right confession, and inspire their hearts in words of your doctrine, for it is your gift that chose us to preach the gospel of your Christ to inspire good works and accomplish what is pleasing to you. What you have given to me I give back to you as yours. Guide it with your strong right hand and protect it in the shadow of your wings so that all may praise and glorify your name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And then after giving everyone a holy kiss, he said, Blessed be God who has not given us as food to the teeth of our invisible adversaries but has broken their snares and saved us from the perdition. Then, at forty-two years of age, he fell asleep in the Lord. Methodius continued mission work for sixteen more years. He was papal legate for the Slavic people, ordained bishop, and then given an ancient see in present Yugoslavia. Though suffering much from detractors, he received assistance from Pope John VIII, he defended himself against charges of heresy and upheld his use of the Slavic liturgy. He was again vindicated. Methodius died in Morovia on April 6, 885. Saints Cyril and Methodius are honored as the saints of the Slavs. Their feast is celebrated on February 14th. Saint Clair, born 1193 and died 1253. St. Clair was born in Assisi in 1193. She was the daughter of a count and countess. She heard St. Francis preach in the streets of Assisi and told him of her desire to give herself to God. They became close friends. On Palm Sunday in the year 1212, the bishop of Assisi presented a palm to this noble maiden of 18, who was beautifully dressed. That same night she left her beautiful home and went to the church of Our Lady of the Angels, where she met St. Francis and his brothers. In the poor little chapel she received a rough woolen habit, exchanged her jeweled belt for a common rope with knots in it, and gave her life to Christ. She lived in an old Benedictine convent. Sixteen days later her sister Agnes joined her. Others came. They lived a simple life of great poverty and complete seclusion from the world, according to the rule Francis gave them as the second order. She started her order of poor Clares when she was twenty-one. Francis obliged her under obedience to accept the office of abbess in which she continued until her death. The nuns went barefoot, slept on the ground, ate no meat, and observed almost complete silence. But Claire 
persuaded her sisters to moderate this rigor. The greatest emphasis was on the gospel of poverty. They possessed no property, even in common, subsisting on work and daily contributions. Claire suffered serious illness for the last twenty-seven years of her life in the convent of San Damiano in Assisi. Her influence was such that Pope cardinals and bishops often came to consult her. She herself never left the walls of the convent. A well-known story concerns her prayer and trust. She had the Blessed Sacrament placed on the walls of the convent when it faced attack by invading Sarsens. She prayed, I beg you, dear Lord, protect these whom I am now unable to protect. To her sister, she said, don't be afraid. Trust in Jesus. The Sarsens fled. In a letter to Blessed Agnes of Prague, Claire wrote, Happy indeed is she who has given the grace to share in the sacred banquet, so that she may cling with all the fibers of her being to the one who holds the whole court of heaven spellbound with his beauty. Love for him is exhilarating, and the sight of him renews our strength. His goodness fills our souls with his gentleness and delights us. The recollection of him provides us with pleasing light, and his fragrance brings the dead to life. The vision of him in glory will render blessed all the citizens of heavenly Jerusalem, for he is the splendor of eternal glory, the refulgence of everlasting light, and a mirror without blemish. Look in this mirror every day, O Queen and Bride of Jesus Christ. Keep gazing at your image reflecting in it, so that you may be clothed and adorned with flowers of all virtues, as becomes the daughter and chaste bride of the Most High. In this mirror, blessed poverty, holy humility, and love beyond the power of words to describe are also reflected, and you will be able to contemplate them through the grace of God, as any perfect mirror. As you meditate in this way, remember me, your poor mother, and be assured that I have inscribed your happy memory deeply on the tablets of my heart, considering you're dearer than all others. Claire died in 1253 after a life of prayer and sacrifice and devotion to the Holy Eucharist.